This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Today on the Relic Radio Show, your hour of radio drama begins with Theater 5. We'll hear their September 9th, 1964 episode titled The Decoration. After that, it's The Whistler and Safety in Numbers. His story from February 10th, 1947. Tell the child. Tell her now. You are a hysterical old woman. Shut up. Tell her. Tell her. So she will know you for what you are. You betrayer. You Judas. The Decoration. Comrade Nina Kari, come forward. Comrade Nina Kari, it is with great pleasure I reach this citation. For unflinching devotion to the fatherland and to the ideals of the revolution, the people's government bestows its highest civilian decoration. On the ninth day of October, Comrade Carrick, submerging her individual emotion to the stern necessity of the mad struggle, recorded a forbidden radio and was instrumental in the capture of eleven traitors who were listening to the despicable lies broadcast by the enemies of the people's government. me add a personal note. Not for one moment was Comrade Carrick swayed by bourgeois sentimentality. Not for one moment did she listen to the pleas of these foolish and misguided traitors. She came personally to me and made her report. Let her act be an example. The execution of this traitor, a lesson, and a voice. Stand beside me. Battalion, pass in review. Of course, you realize that your little exploit doesn't rate all this, comrade. Why do you bother, then? To encourage others to give information. Do I not get something extra because my father was among the traitors? Perhaps. Tell me, how did you feel about that part? I had no fear, one way or the other. He would not accept the new order. He had to be pushed aside. He was a fool. Good comrade. You have passed your test. What test? My dear comrade, do you think we are so stupid we didn't know your father was listening to foreign broadcasts? Why did you not arrest him? He wanted to know what you would do when you found out. 
You were followed that night from the moment you left the house. I see. Suppose I had gone soft-hearted and not turned them in because of my father. Then you would have gotten a zero on your final examination. Agents who fail are useless. Grandmother, the man in the uniform placed a bright blue ribbon around her neck, and on it was a red star. The most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And and the band played, and the people cheered, and Mother stood on the platform, and, and the army marched by her, and... Hush, child. Grandmother, are you crying? Finish your supper. Mother says only children of the foolish capitalists cry. It come from the window. Finish your supper. Oh, I am too excited to eat. Oh, there I go again. I am supposed to hide my feelings. You are never to let the enemy know what you are thinking. Oh. Here they come. The man in uniform drove her home. May God have mercy. Good night, comrade. Good night. Mother's coming. Oh, Grandmother, I hope she has a star. Mother! Mother! Let me see the decoration. Oh! Why are you not wearing it? It is not a piece of jewelry, little one. It is worn only on special occasions. Oh! oh stop sniveling. Let me see the decoration. Here. Here. It is in this case. Oh! You may look at it. Even more beautiful than I thought. If it were mine, I would wear it every minute. Mother, may I put it on? No, no, child. Oh, why not if she wishes? Yes, Ella, you may put it on. <laughs> My, it is heavy. I think it is real gold. Look, Grandmother. Is it not the most beautiful medal you have ever seen? It is horrible. Oh. A disgrace. Don't touch it. Still, leave Ella alone. I would give anything to have one like it. Mother, what must I do to win one? Do not ask questions. Tell the child. Tell her now that she may know you for what you are. You betray her. You Judas. You are a hysterical old woman. Shut up. Please. Please, tell me, Are you ashamed to tell her about the new order? The new order? That God is unknown. The old decencies are marked. When men tremble at the knock of the door. When children are decorated for betraying to death those who gave them life. Be still, I tell you. When there's nothing left to live for, I no longer fear you. Tell the child that after you were away for years, we thought you had come home for love of your parents. Tell her how, with sly questions, you set the trap. Father lied to me about where he went. As he lied to me to protect us if he were caught. I had no choice. I had to report him. Mother, did Grandfather do something he should not have? No. There will be no more discussion. Tell her how you followed him that night. It was easy. The ground covered with snow. Tell her how you trapped him with the others listening to the radio. It was forbidden. He knew it. Tell how you ran to the secret police and informed. Oh. Mother got the medal for tattling. Yes, child. 
know the truth that you may despise her the rest of your life. This beautiful medal and speeches and the parade just for telling on Grandfather. Merciful God! Lena! What have you done to this child? Ella, give me the medal and go to bed. Oh, let me wear it just a little more. No. Just to run upstairs so I may see myself in the big mirror? You will give it to me at once. Yes, Mother. No. Go to bed. Yes, Mother. Mother? Yes, what now? Who is Judas? Enter. One moment, Comrade Kalik. You sent for me? The usefulness here is at an end. You have a new assignment. Where is it? And when do I leave? The United States in about two weeks. You will enter at New York and then go on to Washington. What do I do in Washington? Detailed instructions will be given you there. But in general, you will get information to help us compromise the personnel responsible for radio broadcasts to foreign countries. They are that serious? My dear comrade, we don't like to shoot good farmers and technicians, even though they are foolish enough to listen. In some respects, these broadcasts are as dangerous as an atomic bomb. I see. I am honored to have such an important mission. When people listen, it shows a spirit of rebellion and disbelief. And even their music contaminates the air like some insidious fall. I will do my best at all times. I hope so. Some of our agents seem to lose their sense of dedication when they stay in America. They become complacent. You need not worry about me. I have dreamed of helping to destroy America all through my training. Then I was put in a unit of English-speaking comrades. I read American books and papers. I hoped, but I could not be sure. It was all planned. Your trip home was your final test. Fortunately, you passed. Do I travel alone? Your child will go with you. That is part of your usefulness. You are a respectable widow. There will be some important instructions, and the child is not so likely to be searched. You will arrive in New York just before the bourgeois Christmas holidays. Travel then will be heavy and the customs overloaded with work. Any other instructions? I have told you all that was told to me. Other instructions will follow. Now first, you will go to Paris. So go home and pack and be ready to move on at a moment's notice. Very well. Oh, uh, Comrade Kalik. Yes? I hope I have made it clear to you what happens to agents who fail. Perfectly. I am not going to fail. Flight 17 are going over. Oh, looking for something special? Yeah. Mm, I told the wife I'd be home early to help the kids trim the tree. And me. Just after I told the wife I'd be in all evening, the chief calls me and tells me to get down here. 
What's the dope on Flight 17? It's a half hour late now. Edwin. Uh-huh. And just what are we looking for? Well, it just came through that uh, someone on this flight was, uh, get this, very likely communist agent with instructions for someone in Washington. Someone? We don't know who? No. Oh, brother. That means checking every last person. And that plane will be loaded. That's right. Well, excuse me. I'd better call my wife and tell her to get her sister to help with the tree. Ella, listen. We land soon. You know what you are to do if you are questioned or searched? I say nothing. I understand very little English. Yes. What else? Um, I smile at the men if they ask questions. I try to make them like me. Uh, I cry and cling to your dress if they ask too many questions. Good. Now, what about the wrapping on this box? Uh, you tell them I have a doll, but if they unwrap it, I try to hold the paper. But if they take it, I make no sign. Remember, Ella, a great deal depends on you. Why is the wrapping so important? That is not for you to know. Nor do I, for that matter. Just do as you're told. Yes, Mother. But capitalists are stupid. But there's nothing to worry about, is there? Nothing at all. But some are brighter than others. It would go hard with me if we were found violating one of their uh, silly rules. Would they put you in prison? And me too? The Americans are very cruel. They might shoot me. Uh, you hold down the office, Frank. I'll get the boys working on the passengers. Right. You take it. I'm on my way. Yes. Speaking. Yes, sir. Scotty's running them through now. Yes, sir. I'll call the minute we find anything at all likely. What are they going to do? Check our passports and baggage. It should not take long. Form a line, please. Outside the ropes. I'm very sorry. I know you're all anxious to get home, and I'll clear you as fast as possible. Well, now what, Scotty? Not a thing we can hold anyone on. Hmm. Gonna call the chief? Well, you know what he'll say. Keep looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would help a lot if we knew what we were looking for. Still, the chief doesn't pass on a tip if it doesn't come from a reliable source. I know, I know. But suppose they got wise to our undercover man and... Tip their carrier off in time to try something else. Could be. Can't hold them all night, you know. I know. We've got to find something or clear them. So? I'm running them through once more, just for luck. Call them in, one at a time. Okay. Who do you want first? Uh, bring uh, that woman with the little girl. They look tired. All right. Uh, come in, please. Oh, are we permitted to go? I'm sorry, not quite yet. Just a few questions, if you don't mind. Of course. Well, let's see now. There's uh, something I wanted to ask you. Uh, oh, yes. When I talked to you before, it struck me that for a European, you spoke excellent English. <laughs> Thank you. Why is that? My kids take four years of French, and it's all they can do to translate a fancy menu. 
Perhaps in Europe, foreign languages are taught at an earlier age. Well, now, Ella, is this your first trip on a plane? Oh, she understands very little English. Oh. I thought they began English early in Europe. Well, she's only nine. We usually start languages at ten. Why did you decide on English for your language? It's required. The child has to learn it as a second language. Hear that, Frank? The kids in Europe have to learn English. Yeah. From the way my kids speak, maybe I should send them to Europe. <laughs> uh, what's in the box, Ella? She's got a doll. It's been checked. Oh. What is that? Huh? Oh, she's pointing to the tree. Ella, that's a Christmas tree. Hasn't your child seen a Christmas tree before? Well, never one like this with electric lights and, oh, so elaborately decorated. Well, she'll see plenty of them here. If you're in New York for the holidays, take her to Radio City. Oh, I will. Now, may we go? Yes. Sorry to have delayed you so long. Not at all. In Europe, one is accustomed to rigid inspection. Well, good night. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. Ella? Tom? Ella? She seems to be interested in the star on top of the tree. Ella, you like that star? Hmm? Well, she can have it. Just a minute, I'll take it off. Please, don't trouble. It's no trouble at all. Here you are, Ella. Ella, dear, what do you say when one gives you a gift? Thank you. But I do not want that shabby star. We really must hurry. Come, Ella. But it's no good. How do you like that? It's funny. Uh, just a minute there. I apologize for my child. She's tired and upset. I thought she didn't understand English. Well, only a little. She's picked up a few words. Ella, you said you didn't want the star. Why not? I want a star like Mother's. Ella! What? Oh, you mean that little trinket I bought in Paris, don't you? Uh, just a moment. Let the child speak. Uh, tell me about this star, Ella. It is a beautiful red star. On a bright blue ribbon so that it can be worn around her neck. Uh-huh. She promised me she would let me wear it, but she did not bring it with her. Pay no attention to her. She's just an imaginative child and likes to dramatize herself. She makes up all kinds of fantastic stories. I'd like to hear some of them. Go on, Frank. Uh, did she buy this star? No. Well, how did she get it? A man in uniform put it around her neck. And then all the people cheered... And, and hundreds of men in uniform marched by, and they saluted her. Why did the man give her this decoration? Ella. She got it for telling on Grandfather. She's a child. She doesn't know what she's saying. And you've no right to question her. Be quiet. Your mother told something about your grandfather, and, and she was decorated? What was it she told, Ella? He was listening to a radio with other men, and the police arrested them. I see. If I tell you a secret, will you give me a decoration? What secret? About your mother? I will not tell unless you promise me a star like hers. You'll get a star and a blue ribbon. I can't promise you the cheers and salutes. Now, what is this secret? My doll... Ella! Ella, I am your mother. My doll is wrapped in paper. She doesn't want you to see. No, no, you don't. Oh. Now, sit quiet or I'll have to use the cups. Frank, take that box along with the wrapping. Get them to the lab. Right. It's probably just information, but there might be a bomb to destroy the evidence. I'll have to take them down to headquarters. You phone the chief. Okay. You're not going to hurt Mother, are you? Ella, don't you have any idea 
what you've just done. I don't want her hurt. I just want a pretty decoration like hers. That's all. Joseph Cochran and directed by Ted Bell. In the cast, Boshik Shimek, Kate Wilkinson, Evelyn Juster, Abby Lewis, Owen Jordan, and Marco Daniels. Audio engineer, Marty Folia. Sound technician, M.C. Brock. Script editor, Jack C. Wilson. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, rated by independent research the most popular West Coast program. In gasoline, you know, it takes extra quality to go farther. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal circle sign in yellow and black that identifies Signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Safety in Numbers. It was a calm night, almost too calm with a thick mist hanging low over the ocean. In the distance, the occasional wail of a foghorn on the Mexican coast, a cold, lonely sound, made Irene Thorpe glad his arms were around her, thankful over and over again that there was someone in the world like Marty. I'm lost, Marty. So lost. Forget it, Angel. It won't be like this forever. Tried to talk to Tom. He won't listen to me. He will. Tonight. Well, what do you mean, Marty? He knows I'm aboard. I, uh... I told your charming husband I had something to say to him. Oh, I don't know if you should have done that, Marty. He won't listen to me. Now, please. Please, Irene, let me handle it, will you? But you don't know him. You don't know the cold, steely way he can look at you. The way he can... Look, Irene, please... Let's not talk about it, darling. Let's just think about us, huh? All right, Marty. But I'm afraid. You do love me, don't you? Yes, so much. Well, that's all that matters now.
Irene, you're thankful for Marty Kruger. Thankful that you've had someone to turn to during the long, maddening years since your husband, Tom Thorpe, and his partner, Sam Romano, towed the gambling ship Golden Chance into Mexican waters, anchored it off the seaport town of San Vicente, and had begun to pile up a fortune. A year ago, the money had seemed important. But you hate it now. Hate the Golden Chance. And most of all, hate Tom Thorpe for making you a part of it. And even as you stand there close to Marty in the blackness at the bow of the vessel, you find it hard to shake the feeling that something is going to happen, that all your hatred is coming to a climax, soon perhaps, even tonight. Marty. Yes, darling? I'm scared. I'm still scared. Oh. Listen, Angel, get hold of yourself. I'll just see Tom. It's not that. It's something else. What? Did you ever feel like... Did you ever feel you could kill someone? Baby. Baby, I don't know what's the matter with you tonight, but that kind of talk is no good. I know it isn't. I can't help it, Marty. I want to kill him. Down inside, I want to kill him. It's not just you and me. It's everything that's happened during the past year, all the secrecy, the whisperings. The way that awful Sam Romano watches me whenever I'm aboard. But Romano's a gambler. All gamblers are suspicious. But it's more than that. Something's happening on this boat. I know it. The money, Marty. Why are they getting all that money? Ten customers, fifteen, twenty a night. It's not coming from them. It couldn't. Wait a minute. Oh. Senor Kruger? Oh, yes? What do you want? Senor Torp. He would like to see you in his office now. Oh? I'll be right with you. Thank you, Senor. I would not delay if I were you. It is rather urgent. I'll be back in ten minutes. Wait for me here, darling. Be careful, Marty. You can't tell what he'll do when you tell him that... that his wife is in love with you. I'll handle him, baby. Hey, how about one more, huh? For luck? Oh, Marty, darling. (laughs) Now. Yeah, I'll be back in ten minutes, Angel. And from here on out, we've got a lifetime together. So he leaves you there, Irene, and strides down the deck toward your husband's office. And the silence suddenly seems heavier, the darkness blacker, the foghorns lonelier. Ten minutes pass, fifteen, twenty. You try to control your nerves, try to tell yourself that Marty will handle Tom without any trouble. But as you glance at the watch on your wrist, your hands shake so the figures blur. And at the sound of the ship's bell... You jump as if someone had reached out for you from the darkness. 11.30, Irene. Marty has been gone more than a half hour. You can't wait any longer. You won't wait any longer. You light a cigarette to calm your nerves, and then you walk quickly back along the deck to Tom's office. Hello, Irene. Hello, Tom. I was just telling Mama's boy here what a big mistake he's made. Put out that cigarette. I'll do it. You hear what I said? Put it out. All right, darling. Anything you say. There's no smoking on the ship. You know that. Don't you think it's a little foolish, Thorpe? I didn't ask you, Kruger. Only a suggestion, bud. Customers might like a smoke once in a while. And from the looks of the gambling rooms, you need customers. Suppose you mind your own business. Oh, uh, you better go to your room, Irene. 
I'm going to see you later. We're going to settle it right here. It's already settled. I've ordered a boat for Mr. Kruger, my dear. Leaving in ten minutes. From now on, Kruger, you're barred from the ship. He'll come here if I want him to. You hear what I said, Kruger? You're off the ship for good. Is that clear? And what if it isn't? You're liable to wake up on the beach tomorrow morning covered with barnacles. You can't run my life, Tom. I've had all of this I can stand. Oh. So you want to switch onto another track, huh? Well, you won't, baby. You're on this one till the end of the line. Maybe I've got something to say about that. You better go, Marty. All right. But you're coming with me. She's not going anywhere. Come on, Irene. You hear what I said? Sure. But I just don't agree, that's all. You know, I don't like you, Kruger. I'm afraid I'm going to have to mush you up. Marty! Yeah, that wasn't smart, so it wasn't a no. I'll... Irene, listen to me. No, don't do it. Irene! Irene, the paper knife. You, you... Look at him, Marty. Yeah. I don't know if he... He... He's dead? Yes. Oh. He's dead. I'm free now. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got to think. I'm free. We've got to get him out of here. I'm free. Irene, free. step out of it. He's gone. I'm free. Get hold of yourself. You know what you've done? His boys know he's in here. How do we explain? I'm sorry, Marty. Happened so quickly, I... Never mind that. Here, now, help me. we got to get him over the side. We'll tell him he fell. But they'll find the body. They'll know. we got to take that chance. There's no other way to cover up. Yes. Yes, Marty. Oh, come on. Stop it, Andy. Irene, good Lord, who's that? Andy. Tom's right-hand man. Stall him, stall him. You hear? Tell him just a minute. I, I, I don't know what to say. Just a minute, Andy. What do we do? The vault. Look, the vault's open. It's big enough. Help me put the body in there. All right, easy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Easy. There. Now. Now move back from the door so I can close it. You ought to hold him. Mr. Thorpe, this is important. Listen to me, listen to me. Here's what you do. I stand in the corner by the body. You hear where he can't see me. We're having an argument. You get it? About another girl. Now, you do all the talking and don't let him inside that door. All right, I'll try. All right, now put yourself together and go into your act. I don't care, Tom. Makes no difference to me. You want to play around with that cheap little tramp? What is it, Andy? i got to see the boss right away. It's important. Not now, Andy. Just can't wait. The electric wiring's gone bad down below. Well, you can talk to him tomorrow. I'll explain to him. Listen, you don't know how important this is. He'd be sore at me. I cannot explain to him. Do you understand that? Okay, Mr. Thorpe. Okay, but tomorrow won't do. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Tell him it's about the wiring. Be sure. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him. Good girl. We got by with it. But he's coming back. 20 minutes. All right, time enough. Now we'll put the body over the side. Come on, let's get this vault open. Yes, sir. What's the matter? How the devil do you work this? Marty. It clicked shut. It's locked. Locked? Well, you you know the combination, don't you? No, I don't. What? Nobody but his partner, Sam Romano, knows it. What do you mean? You mean we can't open it? Irene, everybody on the ship knows Tom's here in the office. Oh, my. What are we going to do? 
of safety in numbers, the Signal Oil Company brings you another strange story by The Whistler. On last Monday's program, I read you a letter from a Whistler fan who decided to test the mileage of Signal gasoline for himself. But if you recall, after stopping at two Signal stations, he was so impressed with the service, he completely forgot to check the mileage. Well, tonight I've selected a letter from another Whistler fan, Mr. H.T. Fisher of Glendale, California, who writes... I've been listening to your broadcast for quite some time and have enjoyed not only the stories, but also your comments about signal service. An experience I had a few days ago proved to me what service really can mean. About ten miles out of Indio, my car stalled, so I got a lift into town and looked up your signal dealer. In a jiffy, he drove out to where I was stalled, located the trouble, and I was on my way again. This is the first time in 40 years of driving I've ever been enthusiastic enough about service to write a letter. But this signal dealer really gave me such fine service, I feel he deserves a pat on the back. Well, Mr. Fisher, we're mighty happy that it was a signal dealer who gave you the urge to write that kind letter. And on behalf of Signal Oil Company, I want to thank you. Of course, signal dealers, being in business for themselves, do have more incentive to do the kind of job that will make friends and keep them. But it's letters like this, which you Whistler fans send in, that make signal dealers strive to do an ever finer job of making today's cars run better and last longer. And now back to the Whistler. It all happened in a flash, didn't it, Irene? The feeling of foreboding that swept over you when Marty was called into your husband Tom's office. The quarrel, your hand on the knife, and then Tom's body on the floor at your feet. Somehow, all through the past year, you felt that the secrecy, the suspicions, the whisperings aboard the gambling ship Golden Chance would lead to violence. But you didn't quite think it would leave you in a predicament like this. But you have to face it, Irene. Andy, the ship's manager, will be back in 20 minutes, looking for Tom. And Tom's partner, Sam Romano, will be back tomorrow night to open the vault. And you and Marty stand staring at each other, knowing the body is locked fast inside those three inches of steel. Irene, listen, darling. Think. You've got to think. That combination must be written down somewhere. Can't you remember seeing it? No, I can't. Wait. What? I remember. Oh? It's on a little yellow card in the safe at home. Oh, a lot of good that does with Andy coming back in 20 minutes. Oh, Marty. It's no use, Irene. We might as well... What's that? Speaker system. Someone's calling Tom. Don't answer it. No, I better... I, I better... Yes? The boat you order, Mr. Top. It is alongside, waiting. What? Oh, all right. Thanks. I'll be right up. Baby, there's our answer to everything. The boat Tom ordered for me. Mother, are you going to try to... Sure. Sure, I'll wear his overcoat and his muffler. As far as they know, he's leaving the ship. Now, you carry the ball if we meet anybody. Oh, Marty, Never I... mind that now. You are a good actress a few minutes ago. You've got to do it again. 
It's a tense few minutes, isn't it, Irene? Hurrying out to the boat deck, Tom's overcoat up around Marty's face, the hat pulled low. You make it to the water taxi. And during that long ride to the mainland, you're thankful it's a foggy night. That the pilot isn't interested in his passengers. The car's on the wharf where you left it. And a half hour later, the two of you walk up to the front door of Tom's big hacienda overlooking the bay. Listen, Andy. I wish the boss hadn't gone ashore without telling me, Mrs. Thorpe. Put him on, please. Well, Andy. Uh, Andy, he's left. Left? I just dropped him off at the airport. I put him on a plane for uh, for Mexico City. Mexico City? You mean he went away without... Hey, listen, did you tell him about the electric wiring? Yes, yeah, uh, I did. He wanted you to take care of it. He was in an awful hurry. Something must have come up, Andy. Yeah, like what? Well, I, I don't know. He said something about some important business that that uh, he had to be there in the morning. It doesn't sound right to me. Well, I can't help how it sounds, Andy. I don't know everything about my husband's business. That's it, Mrs. Thorpe. It's my job to know. Look, for one thing, he left the vault locked. See anything about what I'm supposed to do with tonight's take? It's a lot of dough. Well, he said you could bring the money here. You know what you're saying? That's about 40000 bucks. i got to pay off tonight. Pay off? Hey, skip it, skip it. You wait right there, Mrs. Thorpe. I'll bring it over after we shut down. Be there around 3.30 or 4. Well, Irene, you know you can't go back to the gambling ship now, can you? There's nothing to do but sit and wait for Andy. Stare at Marty, light cigarettes, put them out, pour drinks and forget about them. Stare at the little yellow slip of cardboard with a combination to the vault on it until you can repeat them backwards and sideways. And then finally at 4 a.m. There he is. All right, baby. Get rid of him fast. I'll wait in the other room. We'll get back out to the ship as soon as he's gone. Take your drink. I got it. Go on. Ah, sorry to lean on the bell like that, Mrs. Thorpe. Thought maybe you'd fallen asleep. I, I am tired. You know, I still can't get over the boss pulling a trick like this, leaving without telling anybody. You've been acting strange lately. I hadn't noticed it until tonight. Did he say anything to you on the way home? Not much. He's awfully tired, I guess. And still he piled right onto a plane without getting a night's sleep, eh? Nothing makes sense, does it? I don't know, Andy. I only told you what sure, I know. Sure, I was just wondering what Sam Romano's going to say when he finds his partner ran out. What do you mean, ran out? That's something you wouldn't understand. Okay, Mrs. Thorpe, here's the cash. Orders is orders. You're, uh, you're sure they're his orders? Well, of course. Wall safe right over there. I left it open for you. Okay, awful screwy, though, leaving 42,000 bucks in the sardine can like this. It's all right, Andy. Just close it and give the knob a whirl. No one will know it's here. Just us, eh? All right. That does it. Meet you here in the morning, Mrs. Thorpe, so we can go down to the bank together. Fine, Andy. I'll be there. Sure. Let's not kid ourselves, Mrs. Thorpe. This stuff about a business trip in Mexico City is as queer as a $3 bill. I wonder what Romano's going to think. Oh, well, I'm sure he'll understand. Don't worry about the money. No, and don't you. You see, just to be sure, I'm posting a few of the boys outside. They'll stand guard for you, Mrs. Thorpe, so no one can enter or leave the house without being seen. Night. Andy, I... Yeah? Nothing. Good night. Night. Oh, 
Why, did you hear yeah, what he said? Yeah, yeah, We can't leave the house. We've got to wait. But what about Romano? Oh. He's getting in tomorrow night. If we don't get to the vault before he does... We will. Now, look. I was thinking while Andy was here. We've, we've got to slow down, baby. We've been going too fast. Now, we're safe as long as that body's locked in that vault. Safe? Oh, Marty. I know, Angel. I know. We're on a spot. But we're going to make it. You could have walked out on me, Marty. No, baby. I'm with you all the way. Oh, kiss me, Marty. Kiss me. Oh, Marty, maybe you should try to sneak out and get to this ship right now. With Andy's watchdogs around the house? Not a chance. Besides, I'd never get aboard without you. Now, look, darling, just concentrate. Concentrate on playing that bank routine right tomorrow morning. The rest we'll take care of when we come to it. Senora, now if you will please to sign the deposit slip. Oh, oh, of course. Well, that takes care of it. Is that everything, Andy? I think, Senora, that you had best go out to the ship as soon as possible. The vault will have to be open for tonight's receipt. Yes, Senor? Well, I'd rather not. You see, my husband it won't didn't be say necessary. anything about it. Hey, Romano ought to be here any minute. I'll get him to take care of it. Romano? What do you mean? Oh, didn't I tell you? I got a little worried about your husband's business trip, so I wired Romano. He's getting in this morning instead of tonight. But I... What's the matter, Mrs. Thorpe? Something wrong with that? No. No, excuse me, Andy. I have to go, really. But you're hurry. I'm sorry, Andy. I have to meet someone. It's a personal matter. Hello? Marty. Marty, I had to call. What's the matter? We can't wait till tonight. Romano's here now. I tell you, he's here. Now, we've got to go out to the ship right now. I'll meet you at the dock in an hour. Wait a minute. We can't go out there in broad daylight. There are boats going back and forth all the time with supplies and things. The gambling deck will be closed up. All right, baby. I'll have the boat ready. I'll see you at the dock. Marty. Irene. I thought something happened to you. I drove as fast as I could. Well, hop in. I'll get the line. Never mind that, senor. What? Marty. You will please turn off the motor and step onto the dock. Wait a minute. What's this all about? Please, senor. You only implicate yourself further when you present arguments to the police. Police? Yeah. I guess you were right about Romano. We have discussed the matter at length with senor Romano. And that, of course, is why we must take you into custody. I don't know what you're talking about. I am talking about your husband's unfortunate uh, accident. Now, you will both come without trouble. Yes? Yes, Irene. You follow him quietly to the official car waiting near the dock. Somehow, there's no surprise, no shock. You knew from the first, from the moment you looked down at Tom lying dead on the floor of his office, that you wouldn't be lucky enough to get out of this. When you arrive at the police office, there's no browbeating, no questioning, just a series of Mexican formalities before you and Marty are sent to separate cells to think it over. The hours pass slowly, agonizingly. At seven, another polite official brings you your dinner, but you send it back untouched. 
lie down and try to sleep. Somehow you manage to drop off for a few more hours. When you open your eyes again, the morning light is streaming in through the window, and the same polite police lieutenant is opening the door to your cell. Buenos dias, senora. What is it now? Did they bring you the newspapers? I know what they say. I don't care anymore. Of course. Perhaps then you would like to give us your side of this uh, unfortunate affair. We have spent a night discussing it with this Ande fellow, also with your senor Kruger. I see. All right, Lieutenant, I'll give it to you. All of it. I'm glad you feel that way, senora. You see, the newspapers, they might call it something else. But to us, it's murder. Whistler will return in just a moment with the strange ending to tonight's story. At the beginning of these programs, you've heard me say, in gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther. And of course, if you've lived out west any length of time, you know Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. But perhaps you're one of those folks who like proof. So I'd like to take just a moment now to explain what those qualities are that make Signal's good mileage possible. Look at it this way. If a gasoline gets extra efficiency from your motor, it naturally helps you get extra mileage, right? Well, when science increased the power of today's signal gasoline, they also gave you quicker starting, faster pickup, and quieter, higher anti-knock. And it's because of this improved performance that you now go farther than ever with signal gasoline. That's why signal says, check your speedometer for the best yardstick of gasoline quality you'll find it does take extra quality to go farther. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. Now back to the Whistler. Well, there's no use holding back, is there, Irene? You can tell from the lieutenant's quiet, confident manner that he knows everything. It was a long chance right from the first, from the terrible moment when you and Marty put Tom's body into that vault on the gambling ship. And you know enough about gambling to realize a long shot like that comes through once in a lifetime. So you've lost, Irene. Romano got there first and you lost. Your hand shakes as you light a cigarette. Your voice trembles a little as you finish telling the lieutenant the story. Well, that is most interesting, senora. There is so very much more in this case than we realized. What do you mean? And the others gave us a slightly different version. Uh, senor Romano, Andy, your friend Kruger. You know, senora, the sea holds many secrets. It's unfortunate you did not trouble to look at the newspapers. It might have held yours. I don't understand. I have a paper here. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't read Spanish. Oh. I must explain, then, that my reference to murder was an indirect one. I was speaking of the loss of 18 lives early yesterday morning aboard the Golden Chance. What do you mean, 18 lives? We believe, naturally, that as the wife of one of the owners, you were a part of the Enterprise. The Golden Chance was a gambling ship in name only, senora. 
Its real purpose was to act as a transfer point for ammunition and high explosives for an insurrectionist group in Central America. What? That's where the money came from. Money? It's crazy fear smoking. I see it now. Where's the ship? What happened to it? It seems they were a little careless about the electrical wiring, senora. There was an explosion on the Golden Chance. She sank without a trace. The ship sank. The vault with Tom's body. Everything went to the bottom. I am sorry for you, senora. We pick you up on one charge. Now we must prosecute on another. That Whistle, be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Monday at 9. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you to get the most driving pleasure, drive at sensible speeds, be courteous, and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own. Featured in tonight's story were Lorene Tuttle and Gerald Moore. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen, with story by Brian Thorne, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Theater 5, The Whistler, past episodes of this show, and all the others at relicradio.com. There's a shoutcast stream up there as well. Thousands of episodes to listen to, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back tomorrow with Case Closed and next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.